Welcome to Dear 20-something. I'm Erica, and I'm a 20-something social entrepreneur who is navigating the ups and downs of being in my 20s. Dear 20-something started because we wanted to create a space for ambitious and curious 20-somethings to connect with the successful woman they most look up to. While the 20s can be a time full of questions and doubts we process internally, Dear 20-something is a space where listeners can hear insights, ask questions, and ultimately get advice from the woman they most admire. Alrighty, so today on the show, I'm so excited to be chatting with Taylor Frankel. Taylor is one of the savvy female founders of Nude Sticks and Nude Skin. Embodying the easygoing ideals of the millennial generation, Taylor was the natural inspiration to her mother, Jenny Frankel, who developed the brand. Growing up surrounded by beauty, Taylor believes beauty is a lifestyle. She was always drawn to the industry and created Nude Sticks for a minimalist, natural, and no-fuss look. And most recently, she launched Nude Skin to provide a simple, multitasking, vegan-powered skincare regimen for a confident, nude-faced look. Taylor actively serves as the chief brand officer and brand spokesperson for the brand. She oversees the overall brand vision and creative for both the Nude Sticks and Nude Skin teams and continues to inspire through her efforts to advocate for Love is Louder, a movement by the Jed Foundation in support of mental health awareness, the Canopy Project, and the WWF in support of the environment and wildlife and Beauty Be Change in support of spotlighting underrepresented artists and content creators in the beauty industry, which is very cool. With a deep understanding and aptitude for social media, Taylor drives the brand and creates loyalists wherever she goes. Taylor was featured in Nylon's 25 Gen Zers Changing the World, served as contributor for Pop Sugar, featured on QVC, and is an ongoing host for media and consumer-facing masterclasses in support of Nudesticks global retailers from Sephora, Nordstrom, and Selfridges. I can't wait to chat with her and share her story with you now on Dear 20-something. Please welcome Taylor Frankel. Hey, Taylor. Hello. What an amazing introduction. (laughs) You've got a lot of amazing things to talk about. That's why it's an amazing introduction. Crazy. Well, thank you so much for having me. When I first got notified about this podcast, it was very interesting to me because I am currently 25. So when we even thinking about, you know, my early 20s, obviously, there's a lot to speak to there, but there's also so much to look forward to for the rest of my 20s because I'm right smack in the middle. So maybe we should record this podcast again in five years when I turn 30 and I can really reflect on all of my 20s. Sounds good. Yeah. So actually, you are the first guest that we've had who is in their 20s. All the guests we've had so far have been way past. We had someone who was 30. So she was just like, oh my God, I think her birthday was maybe a week before the show. So yeah, this is a first. And I like the idea five years from now, we can be like, okay, now that the 20s are done, So before we dive into more of your background, I like to start every show with just a fun and light question. So first question is, what is something new that you learned in this past week? It could be maybe a business that you saw was interesting, maybe a conversation you had, a book you're reading, but something new that you learned in the past week. I think something that I'm constantly learning is the ability to lead with grace I think we've had some restructuring internally. And so I've been having to fill the shoes of someone who had recently left the organization. And so really learning, I mean, I've kind of learned this throughout my my career, but what it really means to lead a team and to manage in a very micro way, because I think there's something to be said about leading an entire team and organization and inspiring your team, you know, from an overall vision perspective. But really managing that day-to-day, I've learned a lot more on the importance of, especially working remotely, like those check-ins 
and that constant line of communication with your team. So that's like something I've learned this week. It's kind of like a work in progress. I mean, there's definitely other things I've definitely learned this week as well, but that was the one big thing that has stood out to me. Yeah, that's at the forefront. It's really cool too that you are in your 20s and you are taking on very large leadership opportunities, which I think is something that a lot of people in their 20s hope to do, but are not yet there. And I think when you're in your 20s, you start getting that first management opportunity, right? You start kind of slowly climbing up the ranks. Like, what's your advice for someone who maybe is like a first time manager, or maybe just has someone that like left their team, and they got to kind of step up to that role? I know you're at like a little bit of a different scale right now, because you are managing a larger team. But for that first role, like what is your advice for someone in that position? I would say firstly, having the ability to trust your team is so important. I'm not a big believer in in micromanaging unless you feel like it's absolutely necessary. I think being able to lead with very clear vision is very important and something that I'm continuously working on because I have the tendency to ramble and I do have ADHD. So for me, I am always like in multiple different places at once. Like my mind is kind of everywhere. So being able to lead with, with clarity Because if your mind is like this, and then that is what is communicated to your, the rest of your team, then there's no path to execution and no one can do their job effectively. So clarity, obviously having a very inspirational, you know, vision is important as well. Like whether it's on a micro level, whether you're managing one person, 10 people, 50 people, at the end of the day, I think people do what they do because they want to feel inspired every single day. So whether that's on like a macro level or even just like tiny little things you can do on a day to day to, you know, help make your team feel passionate about anything that they do. It doesn't matter what industry, whether it's beauty, fashion, nonprofit, whatever it is, I think, you know, just finding ways to connect with your team on that level is super important. And then also, I think knowing your team on just on a very personal level, in the sense that, you know, their challenges, you know, very well, they feel comfortable with communicating those things to you. But also, you know, at the end of the day, still respect you as a leader. I think that's really important to find a balance between having that open line, kind of like that open door policy, but also knowing, also setting the expectations that there's still, you know, a job in place and things that need to be done. But I think when you have that sense of like, community and collaboration, I personally think, you know, everyone works, at least for me, works really well in that type of environment. So, wow, lots of gems there. That's really valuable. And I think it's nice to hear you kind of tie it back to to like, what a first time manager could do. Because obviously, I think when you talk about vision, and you talk about clarity, like, that is like what a chief brand officer and a CEO, they have to be so dialed in on so that that can kind of trickle down. But even a first time manager, like they have to be clear on what their expectations are for their employee. And like, it doesn't need to be like you said, for the whole company, it could literally just be for like, this set of email campaigns that are going out, like this is what we want to do. And I think your point about tying it back to the mission and being passionate is also really important, especially with COVID. I mean, I can only imagine for you guys too, like, and for me personally, it's been so hard because we're all remote. And how do you feel connected? And how do you feel that passion? And how do you feel that excitement? You know, you have to go kind of above and beyond to make that happen. Exactly. And like bringing that energy to the table too. like, it can often be exhausting. But like when you're leading a team, whether it's a zoom call, or you're meeting in person, like you need to bring the energy so that it energizes everybody else. 
whether it's like a meeting or sometimes when I, I would do events in the past and I would be traveling and I would be so exhausted because I just got off a 12 hour flight and I'm jet lag and I'm just like, just off because I haven't eaten or whatever it is. I'm like, okay, I'm when I'm on stage, I'm on stage. I need to perform. I need to inspire, educate my team. And then I can, you know, sleep, watch Netflix, order room service, whatever it is, <laughs> eat that meal afterwards. But it is important to like, make sure you're always bringing that to the forefront. Because again, like you said, it dilutes, right? So like, that energy that you bring to the table will dilute with every person that you kind of speak to. Oh, a thousand percent. Is there a trick that you have for yourself or like a practice that you do to get yourself in that headspace? Like hypothetically, let's use your 12 hour flight example. You know, you have to be on and you're exhausted. You're juggling a lot of things. You're juggling a lot of teams. Is there something that you come back to that helps you, you know, reconnect with yourself, remind you of the importance of what you're building, whatever that may be? It's interesting because I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs say that they're introverted because I feel like innately, like maybe there are some people that are hundred percent extroverted and a hundred percent introverted. But I think overall as humans, we do have a little bit of a combination of both. If we're around so many people and we're talking 24 seven, like, you know, we do need that alone time to re-energize and process and think. And so for me, like always finding those moments in the day where I have that time to myself, whether it's like, first thing in the morning and you're waking up a little bit earlier and maybe it's that coffee, you know, that time to just like sip your coffee and maybe it's on your kitchen table, you're by yourself, you're listening to a podcast or you're listening to a meditative, whatever it is, like finding those moments of peace within your day are super important for me. And I think allow you to be that much more productive and present in like every other conversation you have throughout the day. I love that. Yeah. And the introvert, I think we all, like you said, have a little introvert in us some bit greater than others. I, I feel you like that morning coffee, maybe sit outside, get some sun. Ideal. Absolutely ideal. Okay, awesome. Well, I'm super excited to dive in. A lot of our listeners are in their 20s. A lot of our listeners are female. And the goal is to really show them what the path looks like. And I see really successful people like Sheryl Sandberg's and like Oprah's. And I'm always like, how did you get there? What did you do in your 20s? What's that path? And so I'm excited to dive in today with you and just kind of chat about like your path and I'm excited to get into it. So before we go into your 20s, I like to kind of start at the beginning and talk a little bit about childhood and how you grew up, especially because obviously family has been such a huge part of your career so far, which is very unique and awesome. So I guess, you know, when you were younger, what did you think you were going to be when you grew up? So I never really had a very specific idea of what I wanted to do with my life. I knew I loved the arts. I was very creative. Um, well, I thought I was creative. Like, you know, it's subjective. You're creative. Well, if you're an entrepreneur, you have to be creative. You have to be. Yeah, I preferred the creative arts over my math class and other subjects. And so I also played competitive tennis growing up. So for some time, I think everyone who plays competitive sports to some extent thinks that they're going to be a professional athlete. But you know, it's like the 1% that actually get to that point. That was, I guess, a little bit of a thought process at some point. I obviously viewed my parents as inspirations growing up. And both of my parents were entrepreneurs. My mom has always been in the beauty industry. My dad, very different industry in like lighting and wholesale goods. So definitely different, but they both own their own business. So when I was growing up, you know, I didn't have a very, you know, neither of my parents had very typical or traditional jobs where, you know, they're a lawyer or a doctor or an accountant or worked in sales. Like every, they all, they kind of did a mix of everything. And so that's what I thought was the norm. And so growing up, like, I guess 
I kind of looked at that in a very aspirational way to some extent. But I was also, it was also challenging because growing up in a, I grew up in a very tight knit Jewish community where all of my friends had parents that were doctors or lawyers or accountants and knew exactly what they wanted to do, right? Like as soon as they entered high school, they they knew they wanted to be a lawyer or that doctor and that was their path. And they, they made it to that path, which is amazing. And so I always felt very out of place because I didn't know what I wanted to do. I did well in school, but I definitely wasn't the top of my class. So I definitely had to find my place. And if I enjoyed like a certain subject, like I remember in grade 11, my mom wanted me to take chemistry because she said to me, if you don't know what you're going to do, you're going to be a chemical engineer because my mom's a chemical engineer. And I hated chemistry. Like I was failing. I cried every day. I hated it. God bless anyone who (laughs) is a chemist because it was not for me. And I wanted to take art. And eventually my mom realized that I just wasn't going to get anywhere with chemical engineering. So she said, okay, take art. There were like five people in my art class because nobody in my Jewish high school, you know, was told that the arts were going to lead you anywhere in life. So eventually that class actually became obsolete because there wasn't enough people taking it, which is so sad. It's so stereotypical too, when you say that, that like there just weren't enough people to take it because they were all in the chemistry class. Like, of course, that makes sense. Yeah. So I also grew up tight knit Jewish family, but we're opposites. So you grew up with the entrepreneur thing. I grew up with the doctor thing. So I did a little flip. And tell me if I'm right. I did some research. Your sister did the doctor thing and is in med school or became a doctor, right? Yeah, she did the thing. Um, When we launched Nude Sticks, she was 14. And I remember even like the first year of launch, she said to us, you know, just to let you know, like, I'm going to be a doctor. That's my goal. And we're like, okay, like you do you. Like, we don't want to stop you from reaching that goal. And she knew she wanted to be a dermatologist because she's always had skin concerns growing up and she's doing the thing and she's in medical school and she's almost graduated and she's very impressive. That's awesome. It's just, it's, I could never. Yeah, I, it's funny. My sister's in med school. I'm going to be a doctor too. And it's just funny to hear you talk about how you come from a family of entrepreneurs. You kind of did that path and your sister was maybe a little bit more of the outlier. And I kind of am flips. I'm like, come from a family of doctors. Sister's doing that. And I've always been like, What? no, that doesn't sound fun. I would hate to do chemistry. So it's just funny to see the parallels. And it it helps to add color too. that like, this is what you grew up with. And like you said, even though your mom and dad were in different fields, it's that same idea of like, you know, being your own boss and being so creative at work and doing a bunch of different things, like you said, which I think is fascinating and obviously had an an impact on you and what you've done now. So I want to kind of dive into starting Nude Sticks because I know you guys started it really early. So can you tell me a little bit about how that came about and how obviously it was a family business? How did you guys start it and what were kind of those first steps? So just to give you a little bit of, I guess, color and context around my mom. So my mom, Jenny, she's a chemical engineer. She's been formulating cosmetics for 20 plus years. She actually started her career at MAC Cosmetics, developing some of their most iconic formulas from the lip glass all the way to the pro foundation. And then in the year 2000, developed another beauty brand called Cover Effects. When my sister and I were both in diapers. So she developed that in our basement way back when. And fast forward 12 years, it's 2011, 2012. She decides to exit the beauty industry altogether and have a two-year non-compete eat, pray, love moment. So love that. So good. So good. It's like everyone's kind of goal, right? At one point, we're like, okay, we have the ability to just take a pause and just enjoy and be present. And you know, she wanted to be present with her children because 
she started cover effects when we were in diapers. And when she exited that brand, we were teenagers. So throughout that time, she was traveling a ton, obviously very focused on building that brand. And this was her time to connect with us. And although my sister and I were like, okay, well, we're teens now, like we really don't, this is not the best time for you to have this e love moment. Why couldn't you have that? Like, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah. Oh, mom, go away. We don't want to hang out with you. (laughs) Exactly. But she's like, no, 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 like this is good. And you know, it was really nice. And she was finally like there to make lunches and school trips and all of the things. And through that process, she would just like, we'd always have dinner table conversations about beauty because she would always bring her work home back in the day. We were beauty babies. My sister and I had a few years of modeling and I hated it. And as soon as we would come home from those shoots, we would just remove everything. We would take a shower, remove all the makeup. We'd go put our sweatpants on, our messy bun. And that was like, you know, that was comfort to us. We wanted to just feel like ourselves again. And my mom would always ask us, so, you know, what beauty products are you loving? Like, what are those brands that you're gravitating towards? And we would say, well, there's really nothing out there for us. And she would say, well, what do you mean? Like, if there's any industry that has way too many products, it's beauty. Like, how is there nothing out there for you? And we're like, oh, well, you know, there's nothing that feels authentic or relatable. And then as soon as we actually started to look into it, like back then in 2012, and this was kind of like the emergence of Instagram, YouTube was still very, I don't know if grassroot or organic is the right word, but like very much. Yeah, early days. Like very underproduced. Yes. It was a great time, fun to watch, but like very unrealistic because every single makeup tutorial was like these one hour transformational tutorials where if you're an everyday individual who just wants to look like themselves, but better without feeling the need to, you know, spend an hour on your makeup, where do you go? You know, where's that source of inspiration? Where's that education? And where's that brand that's telling you that it's okay You know, it's okay if you want to just like sleep in an extra 10 minutes, get out of bed, put on just a little blush on the eyes, cheeks and lips and get out the door. You don't need to use all of this product and wear all of these steps. So that was where we kind of found our white space. And even going back 10 years ago, if I think about even the industry, you had beautiful artistry brands. So beautiful brands that talk about color and lots of steps that spoke to that artistry community. And then you had skincare. But if you wanted more than skincare and less than artistry, there was nowhere to go. And now the trend is minimalism, right? We're in 2022. Everyone's talking about less is more and minimalism. But back then, it was very disruptive. Like to talk about less is more or no makeup makeup, everyone's like, what? Like, what are you talking about? Like, that's not going to sell product. Like, nobody wants that. They want that, you know, more is more, Jeffree Star, you know, type of glam. The nice cake, the caked foundation. Can't see the real skin underneath. Yep. You didn't want to see skin. Like that was the goal, right? Like you were creating a canvas on your face and then just building that dimension back in to look like somewhat of a real human being. And then after obviously these conversations with my mom and my sister, we would just speak to friends and we would really just travel and and really observe that woman, whether she has a family, she's a mom, she's a career, she doesn't have time, she's doing her makeup in the backseat of an Uber that's real life. And, and we felt like there was no one speaking to that. So that was kind of like the, the conversation around the lead up to the inception of nude sticks. And then obviously then came the creation. Yeah. The actual building of it. I think what's so cool is like, obviously, I mean, I'm doing the math in my head. You were like 15 ish and 
what an insane experience to have a mom with all that background and then have her take you seriously. Which like when I hear that story, I'm like, it would have been so easy for her to say, oh my God, let's do a fun project. Girls, you're going to learn about market research and you're going to learn about like, and she could have totally just made it this like small little fun project that you work on on the weekends that doesn't ever become anything. And I feel like that's what happens a lot is like, I don't know, I see if a 15 year old and maybe your sister was 12, 13, whatever, 14, they wouldn't take it seriously. And so I think that's what's so cool about hearing you talk about this. And obviously now you guys have launched this whole empire, but at the time, like, good for your mom for being like, yeah, my daughters actually know what's going on. They know the pulse. And like, if they say there isn't something there, we're going to build a massive empire, like prove them wrong. You know, that's so cool. Yeah, that is very cool. And it's very interesting that you say that because my mom, she was always very passionate and vocal about giving my sister a voice, giving my sister and I a voice and really taking us seriously. Um, And obviously there was more research that went into it other than just being like, oh, my daughters, you know, say it is so it is. But yeah, that was essentially, you know, what it was. And at the end of the day, like it did start with like a weekend project, right? So like every weekend, this was on our Sundays, right? I'm 16, 17 at the time, my sister's 13, 14. Every Sunday, we would sit at the kitchen table and we would ideate, we would create our social post, or we would have a product meeting on what we're launching. So that was how it started. It was like a weekend meeting on our kitchen table. And I don't think any of us really knew where it would take us, but it was like any business. It's like those consistent steps that you take that compound. And then obviously, you know, I'm not going to say it's never an overnight success story, but a lot of years of building and building the right team and working our asses off. And I think if it wasn't for obviously my mom giving us that platform and obviously having the experience that she had, we definitely would not be where we are today. Yeah, absolutely. But then I would also argue that like you guys were the eyes and ears of your generation. And like you guys spoke to this audience that clearly wanted minimalism before everyone else. So, you know, both of you guys coming together was like the perfect mix to make, you know, nude sticks happen. So you're in high school, you're doing this on your Sundays and it's fun. It's maybe starting to get a little bit of traction. You're just being consistent. What is that point when you're like, am I going to go to college? Am I going to work on this? Is this something that's just a weekend project? Is this a real thing? Like what was, was there like a turning point that made you really decide to commit and go all in? Because I know you did end up going to college. And so like, what was that process like, you know, deciding like your career versus this like career you were starting to build with your family? I guess like circling back to the first part of the question. So in high school, we were working on nude sticks. So grade 11, grade 12, grade 12 was like that first year of launch. So that was when we launched retail, we were traveling a ton for work and we kind of lived like this really weird double life where my sister and I would be gone for two weeks and we wouldn't say anything because we also like we're, we're launching a brand, but we also didn't really know where this brand would eventually lead us in a year, two years, three years from now or from then. So we did keep it a little bit under wraps and we would just like go to New York and have a press event and then we'd be in LA and do another media event. And Back then, it was really just like bloggers and and editors and like a few content creators at the time, but not as much. And that's what we would do for like the first year. And we would also go into store and we would educate the beauty advisors in store. And, you know, these two 14 and 17 year old girls are just like, you know, walking in and being like, hey, like, let me tell you about nude sticks. (laughs) Looking back, it, it is quite funny, but people did really listen to us. And it was really 
it was very interesting to see how much, especially like media retailers, like even executives really wanted insight into what our generation wanted and we needed. So it was, um, it was interesting to have a voice and being very young and having that type of influence, although we didn't know it at the time. And then in grade 12, I applied to go to university in Toronto. I was in a business program for about a year and a half. In that year and a half, I was also traveling a ton. And in this program, part of my mark was, and, and my education was, was being present in class as it typically is. And I wasn't present in a lot of my classes because I would, I was traveling, building nude sticks. And so it came to a point where I had to decide and, and pick what I wanted to do because it was too much. I was, wasn't doing well in school and it was causing a lot of pressure and anxiety for me. Understandably, full-time student plus full-time career. I mean, it makes sense. Continue, but yeah. Yeah, no, and I think like, even if like it was full-time career and I was working from home and like we had an off, like we did have an office in Toronto, but like my job was very local. I didn't have to travel. Like, I think it would be somewhat manageable, but to not physically be in the country half the time, it was like, okay, this is like not feasible at all. I mean, not sustainable either for anybody. So I had actually someone outside of my family give me some advice. And I remember him saying, you know, at the end of the day, your accounting class, so my business program will always be there. If I ever want to go back to school, it'll always be there. But this opportunity with nude sticks may not be. And after he said that to me, I was like, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I wanted to grow with the brand. And I really wanted to see where it would take me. And I was passionate about it. And it was a big decision because I'm sure, as you know, Erica, being in the Jewish community, it's like you like... I called it a sabbatical. Other people called it a dropout. I don't know. But it was obviously like all my friends were like, what are you doing? Like, why are you like, you're dropping out of school? Like, it wasn't a very common action. So that was my decision. And I I used to say it was every time I talked about my education, I would always say, I'm on a sabbatical. And then like a few years ago, I'm like, I'm not on a sabbatical anymore. Oh, I love that. That's so fascinating. Thank you for sharing all that. I mean, I totally hear you. Like, there is that turning point. And like, there is that moment where you're like, I'm spending money on school. I'm not showing up. This brand is growing and needs my attention and I have to make a decision. And it's so interesting to hear you like quote that person that gave you that aha advice. I find that that kind of happens. Like there's typically one or two people that say something within that like two to three month window of making a decision that just like helps you come to your conclusion. And I don't know, I feel like that's really powerful that you had someone kind of step in and tell you like, hey, you can go pursue this thing. It's going to be fine. And almost get that validation when maybe like family or friends from high school or just the community in general would not have been as excited. So you're at college, you're in Toronto, you're maybe let's say 1920-ish. Newsticks is doing well. Can you tell me a little bit more about like your role with Newsticks at this point? I mean, you mentioned travel. So like, what are you traveling and doing? I know you've obviously had a very large, like creative, you've been very much involved with like, the brand and creative side. So I assume that's how it started. But can you just tell me a little bit more about like your role at that time and maybe even the stage of Nude Sticks? So back then, I primarily worked as the face of the brand, essentially. So what that would mean is I would, anything to do with obviously creative. So working very closely with my creative team on our campaigns, being like the face of the campaign amongst, you know, our other models as well. In addition to that, I would travel for media and PR. So whenever we would host events, whenever we would have new launches, which would typically take place two to three times in the year, I would be traveling to our global market. So whether that was 
Southeast Asia or Europe or Australia, Mexico, you know, obviously the US, I would go from city to city to city during that launch to host all of these different events. And then on top of that, it's also an opportunity to educate in store. So when we launch a new product, we re-merchandise all of our units in stores. So if you walk into a Sephora or Alta, you'll see like our merchandising units in store. And whenever there's an update, there's a new product launch and you need to train the teams in store on your products. So I would also go in to every single market and do that as well to educate all of our field teams. And then obviously, I mean, not obviously, but in addition to that, working really closely with our social team on developing that content and that strategy, and then working closely with my mom on what our product pipeline looks like. So what our next product launches. And I I would say that was primarily my role. And then face, obviously, like if we had any opportunities with like QVC, for example, QVC was a big retailer of ours for a while. And I would travel back and forth to Pennsylvania to go on air for QVC and speak to the brand. So yeah, anything that was like consumer facing, I was there. And now as you know, we're in year, I guess year seven, year seven of the brand being in existence. I think COVID also accelerated this. My role has shifted a little bit more. So I guess my title technically is chief brand officer, but essentially what that means is firstly, like working very closely with the cross-functional teams, whether it's e-com, whether it's social, whether it's PR, whether it's our R&D, so product development team, and really just being a part of like leading alongside my mom as well, but really leading what that vision looks like making sure that every single one of our cross-functional teams are aligned on the exact same vision and that we're all working towards that same goal. And then I do work primarily very closely. You know, I don't really touch as much, you know, the operational or the financial side of the business. I work very closely with creative, social, and e-com and PR. So I would say like, that is my kind of bread and butter. That's so interesting. Thank you for sharing all that. And it's cool to hear how your role has evolved as well. You know, I think when I hear you talk about like leading all these teams, you kind of hinted at it earlier in our conversation. Those are very challenging skills to be managing lots of teams, to be be the messenger a lot of the time and communicating, setting a clear vision. Do you feel like a lot of this stuff has come naturally? Do you feel like there have been people or classes or things that you've done to help improve that area of your life? I just know being a strong leader when this is kind of your first rodeo, like that's not easy. And how are you gaining a lot of those skills? And maybe your advice is just kind of, I'm figuring it out as I go and you got to figure it out as you go. But is there anything key that you feel like has really helped you be that leader that you want to be? Yeah, a lot of it has been a learning process. I'm learning as I go. I would say that it's probably been the most challenging part of the business for me because I've always had like, as as far as I can remember, like as a child, I've always had a difficulty articulating and communicating. That is very hard to believe. Well, I have to tell you, I work so hard on it. And everything I say is like, very thought out and very intentional. But I'm definitely one not one of those people that I'm not a reactive person when it comes to communication. Like my mom, she can like think about things on the spot and articulate them so well. And just like instantly, I definitely need to like take time and process, think about it and then articulate it to whomever that might be. But yeah, no, I've honestly growing up, 
Like I've always been super introverted, very shy, hated presenting in front of people. And so nude sticks really got me out of that shell and allowed me to feel more comfortable sharing that voice. And I think a lot of it has to do with confidence and surrounding yourself with people who also build you up and give you that confidence. Like, I mean, first and foremost, you need to affirm that for yourself and create those moments of affirmation, whether it's like standing in front of the mirror in the morning and telling yourself you can do this or like you, (laughs) your voice matters or, you know, these are all the things that you've done well thus far to give yourself that confidence. In addition, like I'm very fortunate that, you know, my mom and, you know, others around me have given me a platform and the confidence to share that voice because I think that's also the number one, I guess, for me, even historically, like the path that we, that I struggled with, it wasn't even just like, yes, articulating myself, but also that confidence that what I had to say actually mattered. Cause I would always think, well, no one really cares. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, like if we're calling a spade a spade, (laughs) I'm sure everyone has something important to say, but there's also something humbling in knowing that, okay, like this isn't as big of a deal as it may, if that I may think it is. So yeah, it's definitely work in progress. I do, um, when I actually went on air with QVC, they did run me through a training program because on QVC, I'm not sure if anyone has tuned in. If it's, it's a very, it's a shopping channel. I think we all remember from our childhoods, hopefully, QVC. Lori Grenier from Shark Tank also created QVC, I think. Yes, exactly. It's awesome. They, they're a beast. Um, and so every time they have on-air guests, they take them through this, one day training program and essentially will educate you on like what works and what doesn't work on QVC and how to communicate your sale in five minutes or less. So I learned a lot from doing that. And then also just following people who I was really inspired by. So firstly, my mom is, you know, such an inspiration to me. So really looking to her and seeing how she communicates and how she leads has always made such has always been so impactful. But then following people like I love like even listening to other female entrepreneurs whether it's like Sophia Maruso who's always been kind of like that that millennial girl boss that everybody looks up to or you have other entrepreneurs like your Emily Weiss of the world or you have like um, just incredible speakers like Oprah for example who like just owns the room when she enters and just has like this tone of voice and just like the way she speaks and what like it's just finding those people that you can emulate, I think is also really beneficial. They're kind of like ghost mentors. <laughs> I love that. You, I, I can't get started on Oprah because I, I really do adore her. I feel the exact same way. She has this confidence and this presence about her, but she's the perfect example of someone where it really did not happen overnight for her. You know, like I think she was fired from her first job at 23. And so even seeing you like talk about how much you admire her, it's like, yeah, well, when she was your agent in your position, like she was nowhere. She was not, she was still figuring herself out. And so I think it's like also looking at a lot of these ghost mentors and knowing that like at your age and, you know, at your stage of life, they were also figuring it out. And I think that that's like a really important thing for us to remind ourselves too, because we can idolize a lot of these people and they are beyond insane and amazing, but they still didn't know. And like Emily Weiss is such a great example, I feel like for you too, because you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think she was also a huge part of this like minimalist movement with like beauty and makeup and I'm sure is a, is a huge inspiration for you. Yeah, 100%. Like people who are just really forging that path and 
there, there's so many like amazing entrepreneurs out there, like whether it's Emily Weiss or even Sarah Blakely, like who also has a story of like having zero business experience before she started her business. So yeah, it's just lots of, lots of amazing women to look up to. I love that. Well, speaking of amazing women to look up to, you are on this show for a reason. As many people that are listening, I'm sure will look up to you in the same way you look up to them. I do want to just ask you specifically for entrepreneurs that are in their 20s. Maybe we'll even just say young female entrepreneurs. They could be the next Sarah Blakely. They could be the next Taylor Frankel. Who knows? What is like that advice that you would give them? I know you talk about, obviously, like one of the gems you just shared was like, you know, find people that are kind of doing what you love, would like to do or aspire to do and maybe follow them on social, whether it's the Sophia, Sarah, Emily, whatever. Is there any other advice you'd give specifically to like young female entrepreneurs that are in their 20s that maybe have a business idea, maybe actually have a project that's going well, but they just aren't sure if they should make the leap or if they should pursue it? I think that leap is defined differently for so many different people. I think it's so important to consider like firstly financials. What does your financial statement look like? And also what are you willing to put up front and for how long and making sure that you can actually sustain yourself. So I know many, a few friends of mine who have started businesses and will say, okay, you know, I'm going to quit my nine to five. I'm going to invest X amount of money into this new business. And this will take me through the next two years. So almost creating this budget plan for themselves. Like if I invest this much into my business, and then I have X amount of money for rent, food, car, whatever it may be, I can sustain this for two years. If this doesn't get me through the next two years, then okay, we're going to call it quits. And that's their timeline. You know, for others, they might, you know, take out a loan and they might have the financial independence or capability to to take them, you know, three, four, five years until, you know, maybe their business is profitable. But I think first and foremost, like it's really hard to articulate a tangible, other than like from a financial perspective, it's really a feeling, honestly. And it's very hard to describe because, you know, even when we launch nude sticks, we invested personally as a family and we did have financial, we had that ability to, I guess, work and, you know, live somewhat of a financially safe life, right? With the help with, of other, you know, investors in the business, but we had no idea where this would take us. Right. So I think, you know, we had, we had this gut, we had this feeling, we knew that we had to do this. We were so passionate about it. So I think when you come to a point where it's so clear to you that this is your path and this is what you have to do. I know that it's a little bit of a fluffy answer, but when you're an entrepreneur and you're launching this business, like you'll know. And I think those are some of the most successful stories when you are driven by passion and you're driven by that one vision. And I think for anybody who's starting a business, if you're just looking to be profitable or make money. I definitely think as a business, like at the end of the day, we have to be profitable to not only pay ourselves, pay our team to have a functioning business. But if you're not doing it for the right reasons, it's very hard to create like longevity and and to sustain your business and also be able to put up with the the extremely challenging times that that, that it takes and, and 
I guess, the reality of, of having a business. So again, I know that was a really long-winded answer, but if I were to kind of recap, I would say, make sure that you are okay from a financial perspective and that, you know, you really see that clear vision and you have that passion where you feel like you can't do anything else. So. Yeah, no, that's, I love it. It's a bit of realistic, which is like financials, figure that out. And then idealistic more of like, what does your gut tell you? And if you're passionate enough about it, do it. And I think like this also can be carried over into other people that maybe know they want to make a change, whether it's like moving to a new city or changing a job. Like you almost get those like little whispers, like, hey, like you should do it. And it's kind of your gut talking to you slowly. And then eventually it's like so loud, you can't ignore it. And I think that's exactly what you're talking about. It's like that feeling that you're just like, this is my path and I have to go do this. And, you know, you got to figure out the logistics of like eating, sleeping, living, obviously. And that's a great point. But like, I think it, it comes in like small little whispers over time. And then eventually you're like, I can't unsee what I've seen. I have to go do this. I love that advice. And I think it's great to look at it from both perspectives. Is there any other advice you would give to someone who is in their 20s in general? So the question we ask all our guests as our final question is really like, if there's one piece of advice you could give to any 20-something, what piece of advice would you give them? As a fellow 20-something, the first time we're hearing from someone in our community. In my early 20s, I was not nearly where I am today. And that was only three, four years ago. So just looking at the growth opportunities for the next three to four years is really exciting. And that you know what they say, you know, your 30s are your new 20s. So looking forward to that as well. People change so much in their 20s. And that's why I think it's also hard to give advice because like you said, who you were when you were 21 is so different than who you are now. And you know what? You'll be even more different when you're 28, 29. And I think it's constantly evolving. And that's why it's, it's so hard to give advice. But yeah, if anything comes to mind, feel free to share it. Yeah, I mean, I would say, and this is a line that my grandmother used to say to us all the time because she was like a very calm person. She would observe from afar. And if anything came about, whether it was a challenge and this can be like the smallest little challenge of a day that like was so insignificant or maybe something a little bit grander. And she would always tell us this too shall pass. And I love that quote because it's just very relevant to all aspects of your life. And I think it's in your 20s, it's really easy to come across a challenge and think that it is the end. You're like, this is the end for me. I'm nothing. I'm amounting to nothing. I'm comparing myself to everyone. And it's a very overwhelming place to be. You just so many people are in so many different stages of their life in their 20s. Like some are 25 and still in school. Some are 25 and have are married, engaged. I have friends that are engaged. I'm like, oh, same. I'm like, what? How is that possible? <laughs> We're still kids. Exactly. I'm a baby. I know people a, year, a few years older than me that are having children. So, And some people are focused on their career. So I think, I guess I have two. First is this too shall pass. I love and hate the saying everything happens for a reason because I do think there are, I'm sure, external factors that play into the reason that, you know, things happen. But I think even more importantly, it's looking back on things that have happened to you or that are happening to you presently. And how do you make the most out of that? Because at the end of the day, life is just a bunch of decisions. You just got to make decisions and live with those decisions and hope that they get you to where you want to be. But I think it's just not being overly hard on yourself and not comparing yourself in your 20s. Because like I said, everyone's at different stages. And it's just 
enjoying the stage that you're in because it will go by so quickly. Um, I think COVID has kind of taught all of us that like the past two years have just flown by and it's very quick to, you know, look back and find moments of where you weren't present. So I think enjoy. There's a lot there. You're totally right. Time is flying. And it's good to not compare. I think, I mean, even having you on, hearing that from you is so essential because like, I mean, you're the first 20 something we've had on that's a chief brand officer of a major company. Think about it. Like you're saying this. And so having it come from your mouth and sharing with our listeners is so, so valuable because like you're the exact kind of person that someone might look at and be like, oh my God, I'm still like an assistant level. I'm still a, you know, coordinator level and I'm 25. It's like, yeah, most people that age are. And most people that age actually don't are in the completely different industry they'll end up in. And so I think actually hearing a lot of this stuff from you is really, really powerful. And I hope you realize that too, because when it comes from you, like it goes a really long way because you are in that position. And to have you like kind of look back and say that I think is, is really powerful. So that was great advice. I do really appreciate it. I do have one fun question before we wrap, just because you are obviously the makeup and skin guru. Is there like one thing that you think 20 somethings don't know or do wrong with their makeup or skincare? Like, is there one thing that you're like, oh my gosh, I see everyone doing this and they totally shouldn't because I think you're one of the most qualified people to answer this. Honestly, I'm really loving what I'm seeing in the industry right now when it comes to minimalism. I'm on TikTok 24-7 and Instagram 24-7 and every single video that comes through, it's just like everyone just being very good about their, their, firstly, their wellness from a beauty perspective, just like being very diligent about their routine and, you know, making sure they're, you know, they have those steps in place, whether it's your skincare or whether it's your makeup, I feel like at least, or unless I'm living in this little bubble, I feel like everyone's just really has their shit together and it makes me feel like I don't have my shit together. But I, I don't necessarily see any trends that I'm kind of, I'm not loving right now, but I would love to see a continuation in minimalism. And I think that whole concept of minimalism, whether it's skincare and simplifying your routine, and I think our generation and maybe the Gen Zs will, will be a little bit better at the consumption of products. But I think millennials and gen x like we're very we've been almost taught to that more is more and that you need to consume more products and you need to you know apply more steps but i am seeing a trend in just really reducing the amount of consumption in every single routine which i love so i hope that continues and i also am seeing a lot of just realness i think people are just sick and tired of like overly produced sick and tired of just like unrealistic standards that are just whether it's photoshopped images or you know like just that that idea of perfection is not aspirational anymore and i also love that because i think as humans like being raw and real is is beautiful and and we should embrace it so i love that i think a lot of what you're saying too is really i think because of tiktoks like emergence i think it's like a really authentic platform like instagram in some ways promotes a bit of that like have to be perfect, one perfect image you post once in a while kind of thing. Whereas I feel like TikTok is a little bit more about like being who you really are. No one's really wearing makeup and like it's kind of just casual. And there's a lot more influencers. Like I think of like a Victoria Garrick who is like, you know, a friend from USC. She is all about body image. She's all about like, yeah, this is an edited video and an edited photo. And like, that's crazy. That's dumb. And I think that's been really cool to see too, like specifically TikTok, just really kind of take over in that way. So, but no, that's great to hear from you. I mean, if we're going in the right direction, 
are giving us all a vote of confidence. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the only thing I would take back actually is like the whole trends. So all these Y2K trends that Gen Z is trying to bring back, they're only bringing back like the really great trends of Y2K, but they're but when you bring back the great trends, you also have to acknowledge the not great trends of Y2K. You need to bring everything back because they need to experience it. I love it. Awesome. Well, Taylor, this has been so fun. I can't thank you enough for chatting with me and sharing all your words of wisdom. Can you let everyone know where they can find you on social? And then, of course, if they want to buy any nude sticks and maybe nude skin. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram and on TikTok since we're talking about TikTok just at Taylor underscore Frankel. And then you can find Nude Sticks on all of the social platforms, just at Nude Sticks. We also have Nude Sticks Skin for skincare. And then you can find us on NudeSticks.com and then Sephora and Alta and a few other retailers, but I'll leave it at that, so. Perfect, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Taylor. This was so fun. All right, well, if you guys enjoyed this conversation, please give us a follow over at Dear20something on Instagram and subscribe, rate, and review anywhere you get podcasts. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>